Welcome into the Talk It Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, co-host of Crimson Cover Television, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the Talking Tide podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You can catch us on YouTube and Facebook as well. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts right there as soon as they drop. I want to quickly thank Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings. Uh, some sponsors we will mention a little bit further, a little further on in the program here for a Sunday nighter, Travis. It's a busy one, a lot to get to. Alabama basketball moves on to regional semifinal play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we'll talk about uh, their pair of wins in Birmingham that opened that door and uh, talk a little spring football too. That gets underway first practice uh, tomorrow, Monday. So uh, um, a busy time for Alabama athletics. And of course we start uh, with a big victory over Maryland Travis on Saturday that uh, sprung Alabama to that sweet 16, um, a game that was uh Low scoring for sure and tight and really going exactly the way Maryland wanted it to go at the half, 28-23. And uh, second half, Alabama opened it up a little bit, got a few more looks from three-point range, and they end up running away with it uh, just like they did two nights previous against Corpus Christi. Not as high a scoring game as as the Corpus Christi game, but nevertheless a, a resounding win to, to reach the Sweet 16. Yeah, the weekend in Birmingham showcased once again this team's ability to do it in different ways. Scored in the 90s against AMCC and then come back a couple of days later. And as you said, kind of the slog that you know Kevin Willard and Maryland wanted in that round of 32 game. But Alabama still gets the job done. Thanks in large part to just really good defense. Uh, plus 12 on the boards as well. Uh, also a pretty good advantage in the way of the free throw line. So you add it all up, off goes Alabama to Louisville to take on a San Diego State team that's probably going to want a similar type of game as to what Maryland got on Saturday night. SDSU wins with defense. I think they're ranked 15th in the in the country in mm -hmm. defensive efficiency. And so uh, definitely they're going to be looking to make it a low-scoring game as well to kind of accentuate what they do on defense. You kind of got the sense from Nate Oates that what they saw from Maryland defensively, I think he feels like he's going to see some more of it down the road here. Uh, Maryland definitely worked hard to take away the three-pointer. And, you know, it, this. I asked him, a, I asked Oates a question about this topic myself, but, you know, I asked him what the difference was first half to second half because they got off twice as many threes in the second half as the first half. He basically said wasn't any adjustment we made. We just got some broken plays and some offensive rebounds, you know, that kind of and, – and I think he said a couple more in transition uh, that made that happen. So it wasn't like a half-court schematic that sprung anything. No, and some good stuff, again, on the backboards, especially the offensive boards. Charles Bediaco with another double-double, man. 10 points, 10 rebounds. Five of those were on the offensive glass. I think Alabama had 15 offensive boards um, in the game. So, uh, absolutely, uh, just six three-pointers uh, for Alabama in the game. But uh, good to see Brandon Miller kind of get it going. Again, not extremely efficient 
when you look at five of 17 from the field, but he gets to the free throw line, makes most of his attempts there. Uh, and just the defensive effort across the board, because the bench didn't really supply a whole lot in terms of an offensive boost in this game. But once again, when they did, when Alabama did go to the bench, uh, they were able to maintain that defensive intensity and that sort of lockdown that they had of Maryland throughout the game. Yeah, Oates was asked about the minutes distribution in this one because he definitely leaned on the starters a little heav- more heavily than normal against Maryland. And and his answer was, look, we we uh, you know, we we feel like uh, getting into the bench is a smarter deal than that first game of the weekend, right? Um, so they're a little fresher for the for the game two days later. Makes you wonder if he'll have that same uh, mindset when it comes to using his depth in Louisville, Travis. Yeah, and I just think that guys have really established themselves as the guys at this point, too. I mean, Javon Quinterly on the ball is clearly the guy for Alabama right now, or at least at the point guard position. Charles Bediaco is clearly the guy. We're seeing Bediaco play 25-plus minutes now, whereas – Earlier in the season, he was playing, what, 12 to 15, 18 minutes maybe. Um, he did a great job, once again, of not only getting um, you know, his guy in foul trouble uh, for Maryland, but staying on the floor for 28 minutes. You know, So you know, fouls have something to do with that. Julian Reese, the Maryland Post, had the early foul trouble. He had to go off, but actually Maryland played him with two fouls. He picked up his third. Uh, but Bediaco, when he's able to stay on the floor, especially right now, he's going to play extended minutes. So that's going to eat into some some of the backup posts. Um, Clowney, the same thing. Um, so they're, they're, they feel like more so than at any point in the season two, Chase, that they have a strong understanding and feeling for who their top five to seven guys are, too. Yeah, Bediaco is is – First of all, he's such a presence defensively. Obviously, a big reason Maryland missed ten layups uh, and and, and had, had trouble scoring inside against the Crimson Tide. Uh, beyond that, offensively, uh, it, he's he's burgeoned. He really has. I mean, they're not giving him the ball a ton, but just between putbacks and the pick and roll here and there, he's going to give you he's going to give you uh, low double digits uh, if. Uh, if he's getting the, the ball in the right spot, uh, plus the rebounding, obviously Alabama's top rebounder. Uh, so he's, he's a presence on both ends of the floor. And like we talked about the last couple of podcasts, he just seems to be getting more and more comfortable offensively with the ball in his hands, even though it's, even though, you know, as we've talked about, they don't really feed him the ball unless it's a pick and a roll. But when he gets an offensive rebound, He's got a he he's seems to me he's getting a better and better feel almost by the week uh, as to how to get himself free for a, a, a clean layup if not a dunk uh, regardless of what kind of traffic he's dealing with. Yeah, it seems like his confidence has grown as kind of a result of that. He's anticipating the basketball coming his way. As we saw a year ago, there were times where it was almost like wait. You're you're giving me the basketball here. So he wasn't necessarily ready, I would say, or maybe confident enough to really want the basketball. He seems like he wants it to come his way now, and he goes and gets it when it doesn't uh, come to his way via pass, whether it's the offensive boards, 50-50 balls, just active in general, Charles Bediaco. And we talked about it before. It's a guy with good hands for a seven-footer. You know, they've got some guys on this team – 
that aren't seven foot that don't have the hands of Charles Bediaco. I love, I love Noah Gurley and what he brings to the table, but he doesn't have nearly the hands that Charles Bediaco has. So, um, you know, there, there's some good things that this guy is capable of doing. Uh, but again, I just think confidence wise and asserting himself, making himself more available on the offensive end, which helps with the confidence of his teammates, uh, all of that sort of taking place this season. Tell you who else has some pretty big hands for a small, small guy is, is Quinterly. Uh, mm-hmm. pay t- his, he's got the hands of a guy 6'5", and I, I think that's a lot got a lot to do with his ability to handle the basketball so well. So your point guard and, and, and your big man both uh, with, some, with some big mitts to handle that ball. Yeah, and uh, they took care of the ball pretty well in that win over Maryland. What, 11 turnovers? So they were able to keep Maryland from doing something that you thought Maryland really had to do to win that game. And that's not only force turnovers, but score off of them. Because uh, the thing about this Alabama defense is even when it gives up offensive boards, even when it gives up turnovers, that doesn't mean second chance points or points off turnovers are necessarily going to be an advantage for opponents. And that was the case once again, I think, on Saturday night. You still have to score. Even if you do turn Alabama over, even if you do get offensive boards, it doesn't mean that uh, it's anything close to an automatic, kind of like what you talked about with Maryland stats where layups are concerned. Yeah, they're, they're technically layups, but that doesn't mean they were unobstructed or right. you know, kind of straight line drives to the basket with, with no one really there. And even now when Alabama doesn't necessarily – provide that sort of interference between the, the 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 offensive player and the goal. You know, it's kind of like quarterbacks start seeing ghosts in the pocket, you know, sometimes even when the pass rush isn't necessarily there, you're mm-hmm. anticipating it being there. I think that's something Alabama does to teams too. Noah Clowney, we'll touch on that a little bit as well, right at the end of the half against uh, Maryland, turns his ankle, looks kind of bad. Uh, I was sitting right behind the Alabama bench, and uh, he was none too pleased. He had a look on his face like it, it, it might be something significant. He was limping a little bit, but when when they went to the tunnel for the half just a few seconds later, it looked to me like he was walking a little bit better. Comes out the second half, uh, Travis, and, and plays a lot of basketball, so obviously they felt fine uh, about where he was. But that was, uh, for, for an ankle roll, that was a very fortunate outcome for both the freshman and and the team. Yeah, you just never know with those. They look so bad, especially in super slow mo on the broadcast. But a lot of times, it's it's more of a uh, an anxiety issue. It hurts. Don't get me wrong. If you've ever rolled your ankle like that for that moment for that second, it Ten is times. painful. Yes, yeah. and you are convinced in that moment that you probably have at least a high ankle sprain, if not some fracture of sorts. Uh, but a lot of times it, it works out where it's something that's manageable. Uh, and fortunately for Alabama, Clowney, who you know, had nine rebounds, it wasn't a big offensive game for Clowney. But again, uh, he takes a charge there, um, you know, as, a, as one of those long and athletic presences on defense, um, you know, more than did enough to, to help Alabama win. The rolled ankle just about retired me from pickup ball, Travis. <laughs> just about. Have. 
Uh, yeah. the, I had a, actually, it was actually a plantar fascia injury that knocked me out for good. But if that hadn't yeah. done it, the rolled ankles definitely would have. Yeah, you, you, were, had a, you had a torn Achilles coming too, I think. A torn Achilles or an ACL. <laughs> yeah, you see these like 48-year-old guys walking around with with knee braces on and you're like yeah. just couldn't give up that pickup basketball had right. to blow that acl out at 48 you know yeah that's a fact i've yeah. I've, I've seen it done yeah oh it, yeah it, i learned in my in my last couple of years i learned that that I, anytime my ankle got right i was always in the paint because that's where uh -huh. most of the, that's where most of the feet are yeah. you know uh, uh -huh. so I kind of learned to stay out of the lane and, and that kept that, that kind of toned it down some, but yeah. And these guys 48 years old trying to come to jump stops, you know, in the right. lane, and then that knee go, I don't understand what happened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not built for that anymore, Fred. Uh looking ahead for Alabama Travis, of course, San Diego State, uh a five seed, uh gonna be taking on the Crimson Tide, the Aztecs with that uh, defense we, we talked about. What about the South region as a whole? Kind of cracked uh, on this first weekend. Arizona, see you later. Uh, Virginia, your thoughts on on how all that shook down? Yeah, I guess. What do you got left on the other side now? You got Creighton and Princeton. Is that right? Do I have that right? Because Creighton I believe so. Beat yeah, Baylor yeah. Uh, this evening. Princeton beat Mizzou. Good. Mm -hmm. Princeton's not leaving a lot of doubt in these games either, and. You know, Princeton's one of those teams that's kind of like a triple option team in football. Are they still yeah. running that backdoor layup oh, system? Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. they run that mic and drill in the pregame, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, that's a team you just don't want to see in the tournament. And um, so you're right. It is just a very unique region at this point. When you talk about playing in Louisville and there's no presence of, say, Kentucky or Louisville, in that in that region uh that's that's interesting to to sort of point to but uh, you, you can't look at it and and think that it isn't set up pretty well for alabama at this point right to to move on to houston i would say the opportunity could you couldn't ask for a better window of opportunity than what alabama is looking at right now no. no doubt about it you just came off of two games an hour from your campus um and and now the way the region's kind of falling together for Alabama. Um, it, it, you know, not that, that, not that there won't be a lot of challenging basketball for Nate Oaks' team in Louisville, but uh, uh, You anticipate looks, it being more about Alabama, right? Than, at this point, that, yeah. That, that, that's, that's the way I look at it right now is it's really about Alabama in these next two games. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here. She's going to start off telling you a little bit about Draft Kings. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on the Draft Kings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus, bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings also will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long. So be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download that app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN right now. And again, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet. Get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code 
TPPN. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. As we know, Easter right around the corner. Your destination for Easter goodies, Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Chase, you know, we were talking about those peanut butter meltaways on yeah. last week's episode. Well, did you know? That the peanut butter meltaways come in Easter egg form at oh. Peterbrook Chocolatier. How about that for a basket yeah. or just a treat in general? Those peanut butter meltaways are fantastic, and they're going to have them starting this week. They make their 2023 debut this week at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network, the Twitter feed talking underscore Tide. We're going to turn to a little bit of football chatter here in the final minutes of the program. Travis, Nick Saban getting spring practice underway Monday. That'll be the first of, of course, 15 NCA allowed practices leading up to A-Day, which is going to be April 22nd. And looking ahead just a little bit, uh, Pro Day is going to be on Thursday, the 23rd. So, uh, the big attraction there certainly will be Bryce Young uh, throwing to receivers. He didn't do anything at the combine, so this will be his chance to, you know, throw to some familiar faces, uh, guys he knows in that indoor facility. And will he run a 40-yard dash? That'll be interesting to see, too. So scouts will have their fingers crossed for uh, for that, no doubt about it. Uh, before we get into spring drills, uh, your thoughts on Pro Day and and uh, what it means maybe for, for Young and others. Yeah, I mean, that's the focus, obviously, is Bryce. I think for a lot of teams, they wanted to see exactly what he was going to measure in Indianapolis. So a lot of the intrigue, I think, actually had to do with that, his height and his weight. He is slight, as we know, checked in over 200 pounds, I guess just a tad more than 5'10", uh, as far as his height's concerned. I think the only surprise for Bryce if he does throw is that if he doesn't look exceptional in doing so. The tape already tells you that about Bryce Young. Even better, you see him do it against actual competition, not against air, with pass rush coming at him, um, with all those things that should impact him from a negative perspective that really didn't. Um, That's the the interesting aspect that I think uh, is already – at the, at the uh, convenience of these teams, they already have all that. So, you know, I I do wonder a little bit about how much pop or how much juice uh, Thursday's going to have from that perspective. Because again, I I think the only surprise kind of like Jalen Carter though, for Georgia, it's, it's possible. We saw it with Jalen Carter had a, obviously a, a subpar performance in the Georgia pro day last week, but that would be a major surprise to me if if the reviews of Bryce throwing the football, if in fact that's what he does, uh, aren't really, really good. Yeah, I think it'll also be interesting to see who he's throwing to because yeah. it's it's not always necessarily the returning starters that run the routes in these things. Sometimes those returning starters are more interested, I guess, in the junior day that they get session that they have with the scouts or whatever, and you end up seeing um you know, maybe the, the, the third or fourth or fifth guy down the line coming back running routes. Do we, is it going to be Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks 
uh, running these routes for Bryce Young, or is it going to be down the line, guys? That's uh, that's going to be an interesting. That's a, and that's a, that's obviously not necessarily just Bryce's decision. It's the it's the receiver's choice too. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, if I was Bryce's representation, I'd be going to the Bama alums. Hey, Jerry Judy, come run some routes for your guy. <laughs> right. Or, you know, hey, Odell Beckham Jr. is looking for a team still, right? Hey, Odell, <laughs> come show where you're at in your return from that knee injury. Prove it, you know, to the teams out there. Oh, boy. Yeah, that'd be fun for sure. I uh, wouldn't expect Will Anderson to run. I think mean, he went random on yeah. any. Although we may see Will Anderson do some of the agility stuff uh, because I think he passed on the other drills uh, in Indianapolis other than the 40. Um, did you know, he, did he uh, three cones again? Who knows? Did did Will three I don't think he did. The boys want to see I, that. The best of my memory is no. At so, some yeah, point. Yeah, they do like that. They, do they like, like that. that L drill. So. Yeah. So. They like that. They like the L drill. 20-yard the um, shuttle they like pretty good too, you know. They, they like that. And the position drills are always big. You know, not everybody let's see if he can drop. Yeah, let's see if he can <laughs> drop. So, but uh, spring practice, uh, turning to the 2023 squad, obviously, Travis, the quarterback battle will be the center of attention with Jalen Milrow, uh, Ty Simpson, and a couple of incoming freshmen that enrolled early. Also, Travis, beyond the, the quarterback situation, a lot of turnover in that secondary. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry obviously coming back, uh, the primary veteran back there, uh, but it's going to be plenty of new faces back there. Yeah, I, I think there is, you know, some comfort in knowing that a guy like Malachi Moore has played a lot of football for Alabama. He was essentially Brian Branch before Brian Branch sort of took that right. over in the sub packages. So you figure Malachi Moore will be prominent both at safety and in the sub roles. Uh, but no doubt Kool-Aid is a building block. And then you've got some newcomers that are coming in. That's a big part of this thing too, is all of these newcomers, not just freshmen either, but a couple of transfers from the four-year level, uh, in Trez Marshall and CJ Dupree. Uh, you got a couple of Juco transfers and Justin Jefferson, Malik Benson at wide receiver. Um, so with all of this attrition now, that's due to the transfer portal in large part, Man, you need these early enrollees to come in and and fill some two deep spots, you know, pretty quickly. Even at Alabama, player development isn't what it was five, six years ago when you could kind of count on a guy being with you for at least three years. No, no, that's been moved up. Now it's a year, two years max before they start making the jumps. So, yeah, in addition to that quarterback battle, um, you know, there's there's about every area of this team that not only newcomers, but guys as first-year players a year ago that we maybe didn't see or talk about as much still have a great opportunity to make an impact on the two-deep in 2023. You can always kind of get a handle on where the staff feels like the, the, the biggest needs are by where they bring in two-year players at, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about JUCO guys. I'm also talking about transfers, talk about – Jefferson and Marshall at the linebacker spot, Dupree at the uh, Dupree at the at the tight end spot, uh, Benson at the at the wide receiver spot coming in as a JUCO guy. Mm -hmm. but you always get a clue, I think, on on where the staff is looking for quicker help uh, by by looking at that. And, and you look at all four of those guys I just named, and 
it should be a strong opportunity for all of them. Yeah, and a lot of these prime positions of competition, uh, the critical positions, you got new coaches too. I mean, you got Tommy Reese coaching these quarterbacks that are in this competition, along with coordinating the offense. You got Robert Bala now as the inside linebackers coach, coaching Deontay Lawson and the guys that we talked about. So um, you're still figuring some things out too with your coaching staff and uh, getting those guys adapted on both sides of the ball, really. No question about it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. A little soft uh, on the programming ahead. If Alabama uh, happens to lose to San Diego State, I'm sure we would do our typical Sunday nighter, Travis. If they win, uh, then uh, we'll figure something else out, obviously, because they'll uh, uh, be playing on that Sunday. And and, and that will be in the Ville. You'll be I at the Yum Yum the- Center. I'll be in the Ville. Yes, that's going to be a wild Thursday for me, covering Pro Day and and then hustling to Louisville. You'll Um, be uh, you'll be you'll be eating steaks and down in bourbons (laughs) at Jeff Rudy's downtown Louisville on the man's dime. The man's dime (laughs) on some of the man's dime. Anyway, Uh, yeah, the man the man's dime runs out. (laughs) It runs out. The man uh, budgets for Chipotle. You know? <laughs> Good bread likes to go to Jeff Ruby's. Yeah, I've been known to to uh, spring out of pocket to go over the top with that. You yeah, know, well, when the, when the man dies, St. Elmo's and Indy, you know, <laughs> some of those places. Oh, Roger was always so kind. Yeah, back yeah. back in those days, I used to go to the to the combine. Roger likes to get behind that shield, you know. Sometimes, yeah, so. it'd be tough. All right. That'll do it for the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, co-host of Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.